Hey guys, what's happening in? How is you? Buenos dias, everybody. Wendy, you look very um, college-ish. Do I? Oh, I have my hair down today. Hair down. Yeah. Frames. She's young today. I got these in Miami. Very nice. They're, oh, you they know have what? a Miami vibe, right? I'm getting ready to say, with the, the teal and the pink, yeah, very yeah. Miami vibe, very South Beach-ish. Can very hippie The pastels. Too. Can we please do a, a a YouTube clip, like side episode of you going through your glasses? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That'd My glasses are like your happen. shoe collection. That'd be kind of wicked. Yeah. Yeah. You just I, got I some do, glasses do for your birthday for and you had lenses yes. put in them, right? Yes. I'm going to wear them later today. So when somebody, ever, when somebody gives you glasses, you take them and you go get them prescribed and stuff so they're not vanity for you. Like Correct. you really need them to see and read Correct. and stuff. I love oh, that. That's yeah. dope. Yeah. yeah. Now I, need, just, I need them for distance. And you, was just, you just bought a book before we started? I did buy a book. Um, Kingpin was talking about, I love graffiti. Man, I love graffiti. Yes. And Kingpin was talking about a graffiti book that inspired him. So I Googled it, found it, bought two copies, and they'll be here next week. Spray can art. Spray can art. Yeah, it was- Harry Chalfont. Yeah, it was. It's in my opinion, and I've I've seen a lot of books. I've had a lot of pleasure of picking up hip hop books. It's the one book that inspired me the most because it embraced the the whole b boy culture aspect of it, and then it taught me lines, it taught me abstracts, it taught me how to color, it taught me framing, mm. and it taught me shading. So I would look at the pages of this book and I would try to you know draw those cartoons. Like emulate yeah, what I would you're try saying. To emulate them. Yeah. And then we went from there was no trains in Miami. So where I grew up at, you know what I mean? So we would have to buy, like I was, I would tell my wife that we used to buy Wrangler jean jackets because they were way cheaper than Levi's. Levi's, right. And then we would go to the, to the arts and craft store and we would buy the acrylic paints and we would paint the jean jackets like they were subways. Yeah. So that was our form of expression, man. But anybody out there getting a chance, if you happen to walk into a bookstore, I know those things are like fossils. Relics. Yeah, relics. <laughs> if you guys happen to walk into a bookstore, Go to the art section, and if you see a copy of Spray Can Art, do yourself a favor, man. Pick it up. You'll love it. I, th- I think it's a great book, mm. uh, personally. And, and then we were talking about hip-hop coming to Miami. Right, hip-hop in Miami, because I was— Now, granted, I'm 305 before 786, right. so I have, like, my roots are in Miami. You were born there, right? I was born and raised yeah. in Mount Sinai Hospital. I was born and raised on the beach. It doesn't get any more Miami than that. Um, But— the first times I ever got experienced to hip hop was because of either Fat Joe or DJ Khaled. Mm. The Arab Attack radio station, that's where the underground radio station that Khaled, you know, got his, uh, you know, I guess earned his stripes on, if you will. And if it weren't, if it weren't for that whole movement, real hip hop would have not have reached Miami. Because it was because all bass and- Booty uh, Shake, booty bass, shake Luke, twerk, Luke yeah. uh, Poison Clan, you know, Bust Down, all these different guys were real, real. South. MC Light, all yeah. these guys, uh, uh, they, they were real, real dope. But when you're, uh, uh, you're talking about West Coast rap, West Coast rap had beef with, with Miami. Remember when they had that whole bickering back and forth with Luke and all the stuff with, with Dre and all those guys? This was around the time when Easy e was beefing with everybody. Everybody was making disc records and Miami was catching a lot of slack. New York at the time was, up until you know recent history, the home and mecca of real hip hop music. So anything that came to Miami had, was filtered, if we had heard it at all. Mm-hmm. And then DJ Khaled kind of introduced that whole aspect to it where, you know, the first time I ever heard Blackstreet, this or that, this or that was on the Arab Attack radio station. The first time I ever heard Uchi Wally, Nas was a Bravehearts record was on the Arab Attack underground radio station. So the first time I got exposure to a lot of real hip hop songs, if it didn't come from BET, which we were talking about, you was talking about BET. It was really MTV. Yeah, Fat Joe, and yeah. in my opinion, Fat Joe and DJ Khaled brought hip hop to Miami themselves, mm-hmm. and it kind of helped spread it out. Yeah, I love that. 
I used okay. to love that Black Sheep record. You I loved all of hip hop. Like get with that. I hate that that Pete Rock came up here and didn't get a chance to watch us do our thing. Damn. You know what I mean? Because I would sorry, I would man. sit there and watch reminisce over you to nauseam on BET. When it would come on BET, I would, it would be nothing. It would not be uncommon for me to run around the house and turn all the TVs on and turn all the volume all the way up just so <laughs> the song would rock in the house. Because I, I listen to Poor Righteous Teachers. I listen to uh, a tribe called Quest, like Midnight Marauders. And me, in my opinion, right now to this day, there's no better album to smoke gas to. Fire up Midnight Marauders. I guarantee you're going to smoke a whole pound of weed and then go back and run it again. It's just, it's an experience. You know what I mean? And, and, that's why I love and I fell in love with hip hop because it meant more than just representing something. It kind of made you feel. Right. So. Right. And it was like the whole movement behind it was sort of the attitude was fuck you. Like it was kicking the door. It wasn't wait to be invited. It was not walk in the door. It was kicking the motherfucking door. Mm, yeah. And here we are. And we don't care if you accept us or not. Right. And, I, you know, you, you, you had to appreciate that coming from an era when, you know, studio might have been five, $600 an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody could have gotten into a studio to cut a record. Right. That's why whenever you heard a record or you heard a rap record, it was such a big deal because it took a lot of resources and stuff to get to that get record to the people. And then knowing how it gets to the people, the amount of resources and, and, and effort that it took to really help, help it become a hit. When you really kind of, you know, reverse engineer it, the impact that some of those records had on what we're able to do. LL Cool J, I need love. Like, there are kids that that will recite that poem in school today. Somebody is going to go to school with I need love written down and turn that in as a school assignment. That's one of the greatest love songs ever rapped. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, one of the first. Yeah. I Hip hop to me is the soundtrack of my life. And I'm so thankful that I get to play a role in helping other people experience that. Me too. Like, it... I grew up at like just the right time because I'm old enough to have discovered hip hop when it first started. And I lived in Philly at the time and loved the music so much that I quit my job, packed up a U-Haul and moved to New York because I wanted to be close to the Mr. Magic and Marley Ma show. Mm. And I can't imagine doing that today. Like, like loving something so much that I get up and move two hours away with no job, no money, no nothing. And didn't care. And wasn't doing this for a living. I just loved the music. What's more hip-hop than that? I did that. I, I, you I, did do I, that. I left everything I loved in Florida and moved to Atlanta. Yeah, you yeah. sure did. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I just know I needed to be here. Exactly. Amen. Exactly. I, listen, man, I, I was up here on a promo run, rented my house, drove back, got dropped off at the U-Haul place, picked up a U-Haul storage, drove to my house, loaded all of my shit up, and drove back that same night. Yes. So, you know, sometimes when you when, when you bet on yourself to win and you're the only one that can stop you from losing, you'll go harder. Exactly. And I think hip-hop gave me that. I, I remember when hip-hop went from, I remember when hip-hop was about who was the baddest rapper. Yes. Not who was the best dressed or who had the right. best diamonds or who had the most bitches or right. whatever it was, but whoever was the best <clears throat> rapper. And then in that, there were storytellers, people that could tell a story mm-hmm. of where they came from and can paint that picture mm-hmm. with a brush using words and, and a beat exactly. to me is amazing. So I don't, not to say that the new rap is not good or it's the old it adage. It is good, it's just it's different. It's amazing, it's different. Yeah. I think it's different genres within it now because you got trap. And, and you thank got, God. You got uh, sad. 
It's the, all those moods that we were talking about yeah. right. when you're uploading to DSPs. You have happy. You have you, you have, have everything. The gospel. Right. You have so many different genres within the hardcore. Hardcore. I think what the what what new music has helped me understand yeah, is Coast, that East Coast, music South, has Midwest. less to do with how I think it sounds mm. and has more to do with how it makes me feel. Yes. Mm. And I think yes. this age of artist, this age of creator has helped all of us yeah. understand and appreciate that that it's when you're sad, music isn't something that you throw on to keep you sad. It's something that you throw on to soothe you. Right. When you're excited, it's something that you throw on to motivate you. When you're, you know, in, in a game, it's something that you throw on to fuel you. So it's less about how it sounds to me and more about how it makes me feel when it sounds good. And I think this new breed of artist has really helped me get a better appreciation of that. And now with all of these different information that we have to plus mead. Right, plus me. I sent you an email on that. Plus sign M E A D. If you don't know what that is, Google that. But these are it's forty five hundred lines of metadata mm. for music discovery. I'm trying to tell. Man, try, listen, we gotta I'm, get with it. Man. I have a question. Come on. Do you guys think it's too much music being released? Like, how does someone really shine with all this new music being dropped so often? It's it's never too much because there's something for everybody. Yeah. Are there too many rappers? Yes. Are there too many rappers putting out music and not promoting it? Yes. Are there too many rappers that aren't talented thinking they could do this for a living? Yes. <clears throat> Is there too much music? Hell no. Because as we discover it, we're finding new favorites. You know, think about your favorite rapper and how you felt when you discovered them <laughs> and that feeling that it brought. And that's what we're all searching for is that dopamine that that triggers when we hear music that we can relate to or connect with or just or just feel. Like you said, it's it's how it makes you feel. Yeah, I don't You're wearing the, the shirt of one of my favorite rappers. Yeah, shout that out to first Snow. album. Shout out to Snow. Fuck. Shout out to the whole camp. You know, they, they just had the one music fest and they needed to get it done. So you know who they called? They called the best to get it done. So we got it done for them. So shout out to uh, CTHC99 and them. But back to the question. Are, is there too many amateurs? Is that the question that we're asking? Because a, no, a, a professional rapper, too much music. Is it too much music being released? Too much music being released. Just period. A hundred thousand songs a day. Yeah, yes. is the amount. Yes. But is it that too doesn't much? necessarily mean it's all rap music, right? So understanding right. what music you make, understanding who listens to those music, understanding the consumption habits and traits, and all of those things. Is there too much? I don't. Is there? Are there too many people playing basketball? So should Nike scale back on shoes? Should we start closing more guitar centers because there's going to be more too many people being making bullshit content? We live in the world of the do-it-yourselfer. So, is there a lot of music being put out? Yes. How many of that music is being put out properly? That's the only music standing in your way. And how much of it is really good? That's the only thing. The, the good really good ones and the ones that are, have their business. Those are the only ones standing in your way. I had this conversation with one of our episode oneers. He emailed us. At the end of his rope. I don't know what I'm doing. Every time I watch you guys' episode, instead of getting more excited, I feel like I'm more digging myself into a hole and I really want to quit this shit. What should I do? You need more information. You don't show up to work, you get replaced. You don't show up to class, you get remedial classes and then expelled. You don't show up to train, you get outperformed. Meaning if you don't show up every day to do this, you can't take no days off. It's unfortunate, but you can't. Yeah. Because there's 100,000 songs being dropped a day. Because there are so many people doing it incorrectly. So everybody tells you, man, the people in those buildings, they don't know shit. 
Well, if you do and they don't, then that gives you the advantage. Exactly. Right? In theory. And show and prove. I don't know, man. Is, is there a lot of songs being put out? Yes. Is it a lot of bullshit? Absolutely. We know that. Even Is it uh, too much? Do you feel like it's too much? Like, is I, it too I, much? I don't. 835 I million like. people live in America. No, it's not too much, bro. There's something yeah. for everybody. And the fact that people continue to consume this shit. Yeah, yeah. man. No. You find the books you like. You read what you want. You don't read what you don't want. Yeah. Well, there's never too much. Never. Good music is there. You is just there, have to stand out. I'm sorry. Is there not enough off. good music? Of course not. That's the whole point of good music. Mm. A great song sticks out because it's a great, great song. song. Yes. You know, and, and 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 I think you know the oldies but goodies and rest in peace of that guy who coined that phrase. He just passed away just he recently. Did. The oldies but goodies. When you really think about that, how many of the legacy hip hop records now that we grew up listening to are considered oldies but goodies? Crazy. Right. And there's going to be 100,000, literally 100,000 records are going to drop every day between now and the next time we listen to that favorite record, whether it's a Bob Marley album on the way in, a hundred. if you listened to it seven days ago, 700,000 songs have dropped in that, in that time frame. So that means for us, there's never a reason why we should have nothing to do. Right. Yeah. There's always something happening to keep us on our toes, to help us over-deliver for our clients, to give us more experience, to give the watchers or the coders. Crazy uh, comment that I'm about to say. Um, one time for my big dog, Jeezy. Uh, I work for a radio station and they play new hip hop. Okay. And when we have to add old songs, um, we had to add- Can we call them legacy songs? Legacy song. In the in the system, it says recurrent. So mm-hmm. uh, when I have to add a legacy song, I had to add the Jeezy, Neo, uh, Leave Me Alone song. I'm over here like, this is- oh, That's a classic yeah. though. It's older, yeah. but it's for and specific times of the day we have different listeners. So I might have an older demographic from 10 a.m. to about 3 p.m. Mm. And then when it starts getting 4 to like 9 p.m., it starts getting Kids younger. are out of school. College kids are out. Correct. Yeah. So People at work don't want to listen to that shit. The, t- yeah. the songs that <coughs> I schedule from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. is going to be a little bit more like your Jeezy's, your, your vintage your vintage legacy records versus, and then a couple of new records, but then it's going to be all new and young <laughs> towards the end of the day. Right. Crazy. And as a DJ, you know, you have to have the appreciation for that, understanding what a new Jeezy record is versus an old Jeezy record, understanding some of these features, making sure when you put in some of these new records, you got to throw in them in with that bankroll. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to mix certain records in. And I'll tell you what, if you're a DJ in the South, you play one vintage Jeezy record every night that you DJ. I'd say two. Guaranteed. Two. There's not many artists that you can say that about. You will spin a Jeezy record. I'm risking it. Y'all ready? You're going to play that and you're going to lose. People will lose their fucking mind. Yeah. I used to have nothing yeah. and turn the mic off and let the people sing that. Just let them sing that song. You can you start that song from the beginning. You don't even got to just drop it in. You can start it all the way from the beginning. Let me ask you a question. Song. Why do people hate on Meek Mill's Dreams and Nightmares, DJ? Understanding that that Jeezy song is so powerful, how can Meek Mill, how can people get on? Like, that's a new thing now. Social media, is, they're telling DJs, this is odd, but they're telling DJs what songs they shouldn't play. Should not play? Should not play. This, the thing now is I should not hear one more DJ play Meek Mill's Dreams and Nightmares. If you do, I'm taking your hard drive or I'm breaking your computer. Okay, that's a I'm new thing. It. I play is what it? I want. I feel, I, feel, I feel like a dope DJ plays what they want. If they play, usually... They're gonna play Dreams and Nightmares. My go-to is uh, Little Baby Freestyle in the South, but if I'm somewhere else, it's gonna be Dreams and Nightmares. I don't 
care what nobody says. I'm What's your go-to record at a corporate event? I just seen you doing one of those on a rooftop. Real uh, saucy. I like. did a corporate event. My go-to record is that Beyonce song, Cuff It. <laughs> Beyonce, the queen. Okay. No, nah, listen. So Beyonce you, and Serena, right, they yeah. going up. I love it. Yeah, but Jeezy. Do you throw any Jeezy? I was going to say, do you throw any Jeezy? They ask for Jeezy, and then they ask for tip. Bring them out, bring them out. They love that one. So you mean to tell me that the 40-year-old people that are, are running corporate America bring that listen to Jeezy They're hip -hop 15, heads. 20 years yeah. ago, yes. those guys are requesting they Jeezy. They're people. motivation. They're people. Jeezy and T.I. I yeah. love it. They're Especially people. the G.I. bring them out. I mean, the uh, the T.I. bring them out, bring them out. Yeah. That's the that's the one right there. They go I crazy. It. I love then it. some throwing some pit bull and all that. <laughs> you got to throw in different. So you you got to throw like in a, real, a range, if you will. Listen, man, I got different coasts. Thirteen thousand songs <laughs> on my laptop. Wow. Thirteen what? I have thirteen thousand songs on my laptop. I can see it at the bottom. I have thirteen thousand songs. I don't care. I don't care if a DJ burns me out when I get there. They playing all the hits. I'll go play some old shit when I get on. Because that's the thing too with DJs. We was in the group chat. This one dude. I ain't gonna count. This one. This one opening DJ. Literally played all the hits right before he got on, but as a confident DJ, in an empty you, club, yeah, yeah, nobody was we know, there. Yet. Was nobody there? That's he did it for the not, bartenders, you know. Get, you know the, get, the, get the staff and, and and morale boosted up. Cool. But even if it's a little lit, because kind of like the closing DJ, because depending on the time frame, usually the club is open from ten to three a.m. So the opening DJ goes on from ten to like one. Um, the Unless there's DJ, a radio mix, right? Correct. So the closing DJ will come in around one uh, at one o'clock. I shouldn't be hearing Dreams and Nightmares or Baby Freestyle or uh, Burner Boy Last Last or all the primetime records. But if I do, I'm confident enough that I can still get the party lit because I have 13,000 songs on my laptop. Bigger Rankin invented the 2 o'clock ride out. Yeah. And if you've never been in a club at 2 o'clock in the morning and have never witnessed a Bigger Rankin 2 o'clock ride out, you're doing yourself a disservice. Thanks. Yeah, I love it. Big Shout fan. out to Bigger Rankin. Okay. All right. All uh, right. How can an artist get someone to invest in them? Oh, that's such a great question. Nobody's nobody's so sponsoring hard. no no. You you mean a sugar daddy? <laughs> yeah. Nobody is sponsoring yeah. you no more. There's no sugar daddies in hip hop no more. You, now you have to give How up. How can ownership. they get someone to say, "I want to help you"? I think you have to put a plan together. It it's it's first of all, it's not easy mm -hmm. because you're asking somebody to invest in you. And they probably don't know you. Services and or resources. Yes, exactly. Time, money, it's all the same. So if I were doing it, I would put a plan together and I would tell everybody that I know that I was looking for an investor because I wouldn't know where it was coming from. And as soon as I found people that were interested, I would show them my plan. I'd show them what I intend to do with the money, where I plan to spend it, mm -hmm. and most importantly, how they will get their money back. Mm -hmm. And if somebody believes in the plan and believes in the artist, they might just invest. Mm. I've got a bunch of clients that have investors. So for me, I see it as easier to find an investor than it is to find a record deal mm. with a major. Mm. Okay. okay yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm wholeheartedly agree. And, and, and I'll sprinkle in the fact that ownership is what you're going to, being able to give somebody a plan and giving, being able to give somebody an educated well thought out plant information that's relevant to how the resources are going to be exhausted and what type of marketing plan or rollout plan is going to be implemented to recoup some of that. What type of different things are you, somebody asked this question the other day, would you want a million dollars or would you want a million dollars worth of help? Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and to that, I say skilled professionals can't help me. They can only provide a service that they have to be paid for. Correct. 
all help isn't good help. So not knowing what to do with somebody or having to train an underqualified person or having to usher somebody into a system that may not be familiar and then teaching them or helping them get rid of nuances or bad habits or teaching them new ones, that may be more time consuming than actually doing it yourself and finding it other plans. Is. So I think a plan is necessary first. Mm. And how do you get somebody to invest in you? You know what? Why don't, instead of you looking for one person to give you a million dollars, why don't you try working on getting a thousand people to give you $10? And by that I say, become fan funded. Most of you want somebody to come in and then give you all of the money so you could retain all of the ownership and then laugh your ass into the promised land and say you did it on your own with no handouts. Doesn't happen. What I'm saying to you is, why not invest in the infrastructure so that as you're putting out content, you're directing it to your fans and you're asking them what they like. You're giving, could you imagine what a world we would live in if we gave people more of what they wanted and less of what we wanted them to have? How much more fruitful all of our efforts and all of our campaigns would be if we actually knew who it was that we were creating something for, and we actually gave them what they wanted. That's what separates a superstar artist. That's what makes me excited when I see a Call of Duty commercial and I see a little baby riding around the car trying to get the new Call of Duty game going out there. I get excited about that because that means his fans, his team has found out who he's talking to, and now they're using other platforms to deliver that message, mm. brand his image and all of those things. So in a nutshell, yeah, that, that would be it. Cheat code. Cheat code. Get a t-shirt or a coffee mug. <laughs>